Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open them up to Ephesians. I know we've been in the Gospel of John for almost two years, so when you drop your Bible, it'll just flop open to John. But right now, we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. But I'm not too far off the mark, because we've been teaching John chapter 17, which would be the prayer of Jesus. And this will be about prayer, but this will be not the prayer of Jesus specifically. It will be through inspiration of the Spirit, so it is Jesus' prayer for us, but He's It's a lesson for us in how the Apostle Paul prayed. So if you have your Bible, you're going to want to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to go through verses 15 through verse 23. Now, those of you who are guests, let me kind of set this up so that you might feel like you're a part of this and it might have a a way to put it into your life. There are a number of prayers in Scripture, and I urge you to maybe get a concordance and look at them. One of those is referred to as the Lord's Prayer, and most people want to go to Matthew to talk about that, you know, our Father who art in heaven, and they refer to that as the Lord's Prayer. But actually, it's the Lord teaching the believers, the disciples, how to pray. So that's really the disciples of the believers' prayer. The real Lord's Prayer is found in John chapter 17, and we started that last week. We will continue it next week. But it was good to take a break today because we want to talk about another way to pray, and that would be the Apostle Paul's prayer. Now, I know that as I look over this great crowd of people that uh, prayer to you is nothing that's new. But can you go back now, memory lane, when you first began to pray and the kind of prayers that you prayed? Now, I came from a non-Christian home. We never had a Bible. We never said grace. But somewhere along the line, I guess the Lord was already calling me to be a preacher before I came to know Christ. That I had a, I, I can never remember a time I went to bed without talking to the Lord in prayer. When my sister was old enough to kind of converse together, I even got her praying. So I said, Marianne, we've got to pray together now, so let's pray. Now, she then would pray out loud, and I would pray out loud. And I thought, this isn't any good. So I tried to say my prayers faster than she said her prayers. And so then she tried to say her prayers faster than mine. So we're to God until I finally realized that we ought not to pray together at the same time. And I told her that. I said, because God can only hear one of us pray. Now, I'm laughing because that's not true. God can hear everybody and anybody pray a sincere prayer with a heart turned toward Him that's clear. But that being the case... A lot of us have misconceptions about prayer. Some begin praying through little poems. Some maybe through a little prayer book or what someone else has written for them. Others, when they begin praying, they really start praying about themselves. This is what I need, and Lord, take care of this, and, and fix that, and all of that. Well, none of that is terribly bad because that type of praying for yourself is often referred to as supplication. That's a word you probably haven't even used before, but that's a type of prayer, supplication. But there are also other kinds of prayers. As you begin to learn to grow in the Lord, you learn to start your prayers by appreciating the Lord. You look to Him in adoration. You look to Him in confession. You look to Him now praying for others, which is called intercession. You step in on behalf of the other person. You take Him to the Lord who steps in behalf of all of us. And so that's what I want to talk about now is how do we begin to pray for other people. So let me pose a question to you. Those of you who know Christ as Savior and you enjoyed the music because it reminded you of your intimacy with the Lord and how you love Him, don't you want others to know the Lord like that? I'm sure you do. But do you have someone in your family right now that is not walking with the Lord? And I'm speaking about 
believers and believers now, not unbelievers. That's another kind of prayer. That's another whole message. And how do we pray for those who don't know Christ? This is on how to pray for those who do. But do you right now have a, a son or a daughter that's not walking with the Lord as much as you'd like? Do you have a husband or a wife or you're in a relationship with someone who is not walking with the Lord like they should? Are you working with someone that you know they're a Christian, but they are certainly not walking with the Lord like the Bible would tell them to? Do you know someone like that? Maybe a mom or a dad that you know that are Christian, but are just, just not walking with the Lord. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because we all have them. But I do want you to know that there is a scripture passage that you can pray for people that will bring about a change in their life. And this is the passage we're going to study today. Now, what's interesting about this passage is it's not just for those that you're praying that their life would change. It's a kind of, that kind of prayer would be more of a medicinal prayer. You know what a medicinal prayer is? They're sick, so you want to get them well, so you're praying something that will bring health to them. This is also a prayer that we could call a vitamin prayer. A vitamin prayer is that they're doing pretty good, but we want them to be stronger. So maybe you have someone like that. This prayer will really work. Now, I talked about poems. I talked about man-written you know, prayer books, etc. And I'm sure they're quite nice. And some of you know that there's a very popular book out right now, uh, Jesus Calling. And um, I'm not particularly, oddly enough, fond of that book. And if you want to know why, I'll tell you later on. But for the most of the point, I'd like you to know that if you were to pray, wouldn't you want to pray a prayer that God's Holy Spirit inspired someone to write and to include it in Scripture? So in other words, you can't have a more biblically accurate prayer than the one that's found in Scripture. And if this is the prayer that was prayed for others in Scripture and that he would want us to pray this prayer, why do you think? Because this is the kind of prayer that gets answered. Now I'm going to end and then we'll get into this material with this. This passage of Scripture that I'm going to be teaching you today is a passage of Scripture that I taught when I taught the prison epistles in Bible college many times. Then I taught it in churches, every church that I pastored. When I went through the book of Ephesians, I've taught this. I believe in this prayer. Carol and I have adopted two kids, and we have a Hanai daughter. Now, we got them when they were 7 years old and 10 years old. The girl we got when she was 17, she was living in a bus, abandoned bus. And we kind of took all these ragamuffin kids into our life. Two of them were adopted. The girl said, you know, we're old enough, we don't, we don't need to adopt it. She'll be a part of the family. The boy, Joe... He, um, he grew up with Awana, he grew up with CEF, he grew up in the church, went to a Christian school, all of that. But you know, he kind of hit that age that he just kind of stepped away from God. And so Carol and I, we then realized this is the prayer that we need to covenant together to pray for this boy, Joe. And I want you to know that we prayed over and over and over and over and over for Joe. I can tell you that a couple of years ago, G Joe had by a divine sovereign plan of God, I would say I come to Jesus' time with the Lord. Now, he connected with Carol and me frequently, you know, when he could, that kind of thing, but we knew that he wasn't where he should be. I can tell you now that this prayer works. Our son had that time with the Lord. There was an immediate, full, complete surrender to, to Christ's lordship in his life. What was so remarkable was that when he really jumped back to the Lord again. Now, he's 42, all right? It tells you how old we are, you know? So anyway, so he's 42. All that we had taught him, parents, listen to this, when he was living in our home, the daily devotions that we had together, the times that we had him in Awana and Child Evangelism Fellowship and all these things, it was like it was all underneath a rock, 
And God then removed that rock as a result of this prayer that you're going to learn here today. And it just sprung up immediately. It was like damp under the rock, so it was ready to go. So when the sunlight hit it, he began to grow. I have never had the depth of conversations with someone as I have with our own son on the dynamics of a walk with God more accurately as he's growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord and how his life is impacting so many others. I'm not bragging on our son. I am bragging on a God who honors his word through this passage of scripture. So for most of you, you have someone like that that you know that needs to have a little bit of a touch of either vitamin prayer or a medicinal prayer. Others of you, I want you to learn this so that as you begin to develop your own prayer life and you expand in your prayer dynamics, you will begin to apply this to your life because this really works. So we're going to call this How to Pray So Lives Will Change. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we're about to embark upon a verse-by-verse study of a passage of Scripture that was so very important that you've chosen to include it in Holy Writ. And now, Father, through your ministry of the Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us to understand this passage, help us to own this passage, help us to apply this passage, help us to keep doing it until the day you come for us. And, Father, help us now to also teach it to the next generation. And, Father, we ask this so you'd be glorified. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to read it to you first because instead of just chopping little bites and you're trying to connect it all together, we're going to look at it and then I'll pick it apart. So let's look at it together. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to the rest of the chapter. Follow along as I read it to you. It says, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Well, that's his word. Now let's pick it apart. And if you'd like, you can take out your worship folder with a little outline, and maybe that'll help you have some pegs to hang this passage on. All right, number one, when you want to begin to pray for them, the first thing you want to do is focus on the person's strengths. Now, when we see this, I want you to know that Paul is not praying back to the Lord the particular strengths of the people he's praying for. But what he is doing is he's talking about those strengths. Now, why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that some of the people that you are praying for that are not really walking with the Lord, they're probably people that in some measure have hurt you. There are people that maybe have dissed you or disrespected you, disobeyed you. They've done things that brought about pain in your life. So after being buffeted by their lifestyle and their maybe lips and what they've shared, it's easy to start retreating and then you go to that, well, I'll just love them in the Lord kind of a thing. And we don't pray for them as much. 
Well, before he ever prayed for them, he began to think certain things about them. And he selected two of them because they were real and authentic in the people that he's praying for, which would be the people in the church at Ephesus. So let's go to the passage and see what he picked out to really focus on before he even prayed. He says this, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you. So the first one would be faith in the Lord Jesus. That would be the very first one. He remembered the faith that they had. Now here's what else is interesting. Paul did go to Ephesus and he was the apostle slash church planter there in Ephesus. But when he wrote this, he was four years out of Ephesus. So in other words, he hadn't been back to the church in four years. And you remember, they didn't have internet then. They didn't have Facebook then. They had slow-moving mail maybe back then. So what he had to hear about those people would be what he was hearing about them from other people. So he was hearing about them. His information was coming back to them. Now, you know as well as I do that when we hear about other people, we kind of hear the good, bad, and the ugly, don't we? Mostly the bad and the ugly. A little bit of the good. But we know that it's in there somewhere. Well, whatever was going on with those Ephesian people, one thing he heard was the faith that they had in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what Paul is saying, I'm going to tell you guys what I'm praying about, but before I do, I've got to tell you this. I have to tell you, I've heard about all your faith among all of you that you have in the Lord. I think that is really cool. First of all, that tells me that this kind of prayer should really be prayed not so much for those who don't know the Lord. Because the people who don't know the Lord, the things that you'll pray about, listen, listen, they can't do none of those things. They can't do not one of those things until they've accepted Christ as their Savior. Because all of this has to be done through the ministry of the Spirit and in their life that has to be in their life when they trust Christ. So now the people we're going to now kind of screen out would be all those that you know that know Christ as Savior. So maybe for you in your mind as you're getting ready to pray for them, maybe the one good trait they have is that they have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Isn't that a great thing? So you rest on that and say, I know they might have messed up some stuff right now, but I just want to thank the Lord that they have faith in Jesus Christ. May I tell you that those of you besides this prayer right now, you might be trying to rearrange your life. You might be trying to do a checkup from the neck up. Some of you might be trying to say, I got the rest of my life and things are not going very well for me. Where would you begin? I strongly urge you that you would begin at recognizing that you can't fix your life by yourself. That eternity is something that will occur for you. The location, though, is not a happy one. And so that right now you would realize that the hope for your future is going to be found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And that you would do what the Ephesian people did and everybody knew about, which was their faith in Jesus Christ. Would you look at that phrase again? I want to do something with it. Look at it in your Bibles. It says this. Having heard of your good works in the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't say that. Having heard of your faith and good works in Jesus Christ, didn't say that. It said, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to know that going to heaven is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. So don't mix grace and works together, and works will never get you there. It might make you feel good, might help a bunch of people, but it will not put eternal fire out. You have got to trust Christ as Savior. And when you do, that's where it's at. So he's commending them on that. So in your own mind, before you pray for that person, find something that you might see that would be good in their life. Hopefully it would be that they place their faith in Christ. Look at the second. In the same verse, it goes on to say, and your love for all the saints. What a great testimony that even though he's praying for these people, he said, you've got faith and you've got love and if you will, instead of underlining the word love in your Bible, why don't you underline the word A-L-L, -L, all. 
that there wasn't one. He said, I looked at you folks, I heard about you folks, and you are loving one another. You love everybody. What a great testimony. Now, once you've done that, look up here. I think this is kind of cool. Let me see if I can do this with my arms. All right, watch carefully. My arms will never leave my body. All right. When I love, that's kind of going back and forth, kind of outward to you, hopefully you to me, we to one another. Okay, that's this way. Here it talks about, now, our faith to the Lord. It doesn't say our faith in mankind because they'll always let us down. Now, some will keep their word for a while, but they don't always have all that's necessary or capable to keep all of their word all of the time. But God does. So now we have our faith upward. So what we have now through this dynamic is almost like the shape of the cross. We have our faith upward first, got that? And then our love outward second, and we have the sign of the cross. Now, let me say this. When you look at this passage when he says here that I... I'm going to start the prayer. He says, when I recall in my mind your faith and your love, most people then would say, you know what? Those are pretty good people over there in Ephesus. They don't need my prayer. Let me turn my attention to someone else. So now let's talk about the people in your family who are walking with the Lord. A son or a daughter, a wife, a husband, a mom, a dad, someone you work with. Don't forget to pray for them. Don't always go after the ones that always seem to be in the ditch. You know, pray for those that are on the superhighway for God. So you're going to pray for all of them. And this is the kind of prayer that you're going to pray. So focus on the person's strength. Don't get so inundated in their problems that it almost makes you not want to pray for them. Let's go a little bit further. Number two is to keep giving thanks for them. He did that. And that's start, it's, it's kind of in the prayer thing too. But let's go to verse 16. He says, do not cease giving thanks for you. So if you link it to verse 15, he says, for this reason, I too, verse 16, do not cease giving thanks for you. Now, if you will, underline the word giving. He says, I keep on giving thanks, 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 thanks. I hope that you can do that. Paul knew that any godly character trait was imparted by the Lord, so he was thanking God for that person, what they meant to him in the life. You could do that. Um, You know, when you're in the ministry, or probably if I could say this a little broader, because most of you aren't, if you're in a position of leadership, do you know what that means? You are put by the organization and by a lot of people. You are put up on some kind of a pedestal. Not, not to be worshipped, hopefully. But you are put up there because leaders have to be seen and they have to have people follow them because they ought to know where they're going. But when you're up on a pedestal, you know what that makes you? An easier target. Did you catch that? And so there will be criticism. And so sometimes you will be placed in a position of criticism. Dad, you'll be criticized. Mama, you'll be criticized. If you own a business, you'll be criticized. If you're out there in the world and you're managing people, you'll be criticized. So wherever you are, you will be criticized. And while we pray for those people, while we're going to pray for a change in their life, have you ever thought about saying, Lord, I'm going to thank you for those critics that are in my life? Have you ever thought about that? Lord, thank you for bringing that person who has a hard time knowing how to dip their arrow in honey before they shoot it. You got that? Thank them. Let's pretend for just a moment that you're, you and me, we are a a marble. And God knows that inside this marble is a beautiful, beautiful statue or object that needs to be chiseled. Well, often God will take that chisel and a hammer And he will use it in his wise wisdom to begin chiseling at us. Now, if we want to really reach our full potential and be worth a lot more than a chunk of marble, we want to be worth what a beautiful statue and object would be, then we have to thank God for God, 
bringing hammers and chisels into our life to make us what we are today. So right now, if you will, pause. And I want you to think about the person that you want to begin praying for. And before you start asking for their life to be changed, why don't you thank God that they are in your life for the good that they've done and for the good that they could do in your life. Watch this. And for the good they could do in a lot more people's lives. You know what that's doing? Watch this now. There's a dynamic that's going on that's not found in this passage, but it is found in Scripture, and that's this. When you start thinking about the best of other people, you begin thanking them, you start seeing value in them, that's bringing humility in you and me. We begin to humble ourselves when we see all of that. And then we all of a sudden start getting that wonderful humility thing going on. And what does God then do? He then begins to dump on us, just pour on us His grace, which is the ability now to do what we ought to do. So watch. If you have a hard time praying for others, the first thing you do is think of something positive about that person. Begin to thank God for them. And to do that authentically, there's a bit of humility when you start thinking better of others. Now you're in a place for God to give you the strength to do the very thing He's going to request us to do, to pray for them. So there is a formula in here. Little side note. That's why we do expository Bible teaching here. That's why we take a little bit longer on Sunday mornings and we take a little longer in the book because all of this is a beautiful link together. All right, let's go back to the passage here. So we're going to keep on asking for them, and boy, how beautiful that is. So who have you been praying for consistently on a regular basis? I don't know, but I hope you have someone. Well, let's go to the next one here because we talked about how important that is to give thanks for them. The third one is to keep on asking for them. He said, I do not cease to give thanks. I do not cease to make mention of you in my prayers. This is a hard one. When I look at that passage when he says, I do not cease making mention of you in my prayers. Because, first of all, in my opinion, this is my opinion, I think we get so busy that we do really quick rub-a-dub-dub type prayers. You know what I mean? Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, and we move on, you know? Paul wasn't like this. He prayed constantly. I have a dear friend that when he meets a new friend and he makes a new friend, he asks them, what is your favorite Bible verse? And that person has to think, and then they come up with their favorite Bible verse. And they give it to him, and he writes their name right next to that Bible verse in his Bible. He showed me his Bible. I I, I see thousands and thousands of names throughout the pages of the Bible. Now, obviously... John 3.16 has got a, you know, like a gazillion names around it because everybody takes John 3.16. But he's got all of these. And he says, you know what, Stan? As I'm having my quiet time, I'm reading through this. And when I come across that verse, I look right next to it. All the people there, I pray for them. Now, that's gimmicky. We, don't, we know the Apostle Paul didn't do that. What we do know the Apostle Paul did was when that person came to his mind, as often as he remembered them, he made mention of them in his prayers. You know what that tells me? He didn't have a lot of time for a lot of good things in his life because he made time for the great things in his life. And so I would just encourage you that you would now have these people in your life and don't give up. You keep on knocking. You keep on knocking. You keep on asking. You keep on seeking. You put that person in front of you. And don't listen to Satan when Satan says, it's hopeless. Go to the next person. It's not really working. God's finished with that person. You're wasting your time. There's too many others that could turn around. Go with the ones that are moving, not the ones who are not moving. No, you just keep asking and asking and asking and asking and asking. Watch this. It's not because the harder and longer you rub the genie bottle, finally God pops out and he begins to answer your prayers. Because prayer is still not 
all about asking and receiving. Prayer is about building a relationship with Him. It's developing intimacy with Him. As you are calling upon the Lord, still seeking Him, seeking Him on behalf of others. It's knowing that God is large and in charge and will take care of these things His way and His timing. It's a subtle way to continue letting the Lord know and you know that God doesn't give up on those people and therefore we should not give up on those people. And one way we prove that we don't give up on those people is we're going to continue praying for them. We cannot intimidate them, manipulate them. They won't do nothing, anything to get better. We are going to the Lord and saying, Lord, they belong to you. They are your child. Remember praying for believers. We're we're praying. We are partnering with you. We're saying if there's anything we can do to help them, we're right here. Do not give up on them. Do not give up. When we've been praying for our son, it didn't happen in one week, one month, one year, even one decade. And I can tell you that there was no amount of talking and Bible verses, and uh, that didn't bring it around. And watch this, it's going to sound shocking. All the love, all the Christmas cards, all the phone calls, all the money that we would give to them, all the time we would look for ways to affirm him, even that love. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.